is June 12th. I'm the EVP Member Engagement and Development here at the IAB. And welcome to IAB There. This is our daily live stream in which we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. Now today we have a topic on agile marketing in the COVID world. And our special guest is Helen Lin, who's the president of Digital at Publicis Media. I'll tell you a little bit about Helen. She is a catalyst of innovation, champion of programmatic, and a fierce believer in her team. Helen Lin is the president, Digital Publicis Media Exchange US. She exemplifies what it means to be an impactful leader. With over 20 years of experience in digital media and marketing, Helen now manages digital investment and negoti negotiations on behalf of the entire Publicis Media Network. Let's welcome Helen Lin. Hey, Helen, how are you? Good, good morning. Hi, where am I talking to you from? Where have you been, uh, um, I guess, quarantining, quarantine, quarantined? <laughs> I am in a suburb in Los Angeles, close to family. Wow, so you've been operating on East Coast time, but living West Coast. Yeah, for 12 weeks. I think I'm <laughs> finally getting used to it. You have a whole new body clock now. I, I eat dinner at 4 p.m. So yeah. <laughs> You'll be great for those early bird specials when you come hey, back to it, New York. It's a win-win for me there. Getting back to New York and <laughs> fish and dinners. Yeah. So Helen, um, I wanted to have you on today because you, you wrote this great article about what brands need to do. And agile, it's all about agile marketing and getting ready for recovery. Why don't we start with the bigger picture um, what are what are the brands facing today? And as an agency leader and a partner, you know, trusted partner to these brands, how are you advising them? Let's start with the the bigger picture. Yeah. Well, the first thing, my first piece of advice is that we need to really look at our marketers now, not as just marketers and really um, think about them as the stewards of their businesses. I think what we've all seen in this crisis is that business conditions are impacting marketing like never before at lightning speed. And so if we're really servicing our clients, our brands, we're really thinking about their entire business. So the first advice is really to like broaden our scope of understanding what their role is within their organization. Either it be um, managing budgets, determining when products should launch, or dealing with um, making sure things happen with a furloughed um, employee base, or sales channels that are completely obliterated. Our clients are um, truly their business leaders in their organizations and look to for thought leadership. So as much as we can guide them, the better, and not just in media and creative, but really in, entire, um, in their entire business. Just like any business, the three most important things that they're all worrying about and trying to figure out, of course, is um, supply, distribution, and then promotion. You know, so um, the big, big questions here on the supply side, you know, not an area that is nimble for any organization. Right, but right, I, sure. Yeah, but I think there's a lesson here in um, diversification and diversity in general that, you know, when you do consolidate and streamline into fewer, more efficient um, suppliers, that um, while that may behoove, um, may work from a financial standpoint, there is sometimes a trade-off in innovation, but we're now also seeing there's a trade-off in flexibility. So um, the supply chain is something that they are all, um, you know, have been watching for for weeks before it even hit the U.S. and, and seeing what was being impacted. Are, are you seeing a shift back to made in America? It, it's talking about supply chain. Is that I feel like we're we've become so dependent on other countries to maintain the supply chain that I think there is a rethink about is it maybe it costs a little more, but having more control over our supply chain is a good thing. Are you seeing that or not so much? Yes, 
actually, um, but not only in our clients, but also in when we think about um, offshoring resources, for example, when we're in this um, cultural awakening now of what um, offshoring has also done to um, our, our own, um, our own uh, you know, American population and, and good jobs. So yes, I definitely think that there's a trend towards that and um, the cultural awakening is helping us see those, those impacts. Yeah, and talk about like brands, big brands, old legacy brands being able to pivot. Some of the things that we've seen during this whole COVID has been incredible, like GM yeah. pivoting and going from a car company to manufacturing like, you know, ventilators mm -hmm. in a matter of weeks. So I think we have all seen that we can be innovative and streamline and the speed to doing everything has been greatly uh, in increased. So one of the things that you talked about in your article, which also has been very interesting for me to observe, is this, this idea of local strategies. Like when you think about so many things that are hitting us at the same time, but how we're responding to it is so different depending on where you live. So the COVID situation, depending where you live, it's hit you differently. And your response to it is a very local response. Some are opening, some aren't. Some got hit harder than others. Some haven't been affected by it at all. And then add into it all of these uh, marches and the political stuff that we're going through. Again, very different market by market. How are you working with your clients on these national brands, but helping them think locally and adjust on a local level? Yeah. Well, the um, you know our mantra internally lately has really been about one size does not fit all. And as you just described, that while we went into lockdown as a nation pretty swiftly and went through the kind of um, experience the same phases, we're really coming out of it as different groups, both politically, both culturally, and in geographically, you know, different um, and divided also. And so what we've developed is a local planning toolkit to help our agency teams and our clients mm -hmm. really understand the impact of virus on different local markets. And in this toolkit, it takes into consideration things like, um, ultimately, I play in a media marketplace, so supply and demand, but also um, infection rates, unemployment rates, um, stay-at-home orders versus um, mobility. We're calling mobility, which is movement, being tracked, um, people moving within a within a um, within a DMA, for example, but also category reopening. As you mentioned, you know, QSR and Big Box have done a really good job and fantastic job transforming in the last six weeks or 12 weeks now into um, omni-channel experiences. Whoever knew, you know, what Best Buy, they, you could, um, without even having the app, but you just go to the store and right there, they encourage you to download the app. You purchase your product. You jump into a parking spot with a designated number. You pop up your truck. Somebody comes, drops it off, totally contactless and, and socially distanced. But on channel not entirely digital and you go right. home and, and you're able to um to do your business so it is um different categories are reacting differently so we've developed tools that help our teams plan both media for targeting but also we've really been thinking for national advertisers there's a lot of copy split Right. Um, idea. So the idea is national, but what do you say to different populations and regions? And we know that's super important because we know that during the time of crises, if you are a company that can be financially resilient and advertise through the crises, it's a huge opportunity also to earn share that we've known through decades of crises and recessions that you are, um, it gives you a long lasting business advantage for years beyond the crisis. So you're advising clients, this isn't the time to go dark. Like right. you need to, you need to be visible. You need to be out there. And if you have to pivot and change your messaging, do so. In fact, you probably do need to. 
Yeah. Um, but don't go dark because we have seen and heard about plenty of advertisers. They don't want to be around news. They don't want to be around something negative. They're shy because they're not sure what the right tone and messaging should be. So they just stop. Let and you're saying that's not a good idea. Every business has to do what's right for their business and every right. business is different. That is for sure. Um, but we know historically that especially most um, of our big brands, they're able to be financially resilient during this time. And we also know through research that where consumers actually find um, advertising reassuring at this time. It's a sense of normalcy. Not only do they use advertising to be able to relate to the brands and see that the brands that they love are doing something to be part of the solution mm-hmm. and they want to see that, they also want um, a sense of normalcy and levity in good taste and with the right um, cultural context. Um, but they want to see brands also be part of their their joy and and have inspiration. So if you can be there for consumers, you know, financially, if you can do it, and you cater your message, we do think it's an it's an opportunity. In fact, the catering the message is a big piece that's tied with the, the local planning, because to be really resonant and relevant, like where you can go wrong is if you're you're unaware and you're just you know. Right. So what we did in the first two weeks, which was pretty transformative for us internally as well. The first two weeks um, of lockdown, we all of our creative agencies came together and they formed what we call the, the virtual studio. And so, wow. yeah, Saatchi, Leo, um, Publicist North America, I'm sure I'm missing some, the community, Moxie, they all came together to service the agile creative needs that were rapidly coming up from our clients, but in a more, you know, obviously cost efficient way because, you know, the brands needed this communication to be di- different and tailored. It's been huge for us, not only because our clients are benefiting and then therefore consumers do, but also it's actually um, jump-started a transformation internally that our creative agencies are working in um, more of a collective way. And I don't know if you guys have um, heard of, we launched Marcel, which is our AI connected tool that um, our 25,000 people in the US are all up on. We have also have this in the UK and all of us have our profiles and what we like to do in the profile and we're able to sign up for gigs. So it really helps us fluidly. That is so cool. It's, it's really. So there's a little really, AI version of you in this system. There are a lot of AI versions <laughs> on social media, but um, yeah, it's, it's been transformative for clients, but also for us, but really we have to tailor communications for not only regions, but what we know about different people, like stay at home, um, uh, shelter at home. Uh, there are people in the same city that are strictly isolating versus cautiously re-emerging versus right. re-emerging to borrow from one of our partners' um, terminology. Even when you know those signals to be relevant, you want to make sure that you're not encouraging somebody who's isolating strictly at home with, um, you know, get outside, it's a new day, new normal. Now, that is not what they want to hear from you. So, yeah. Um, yeah, messaging is a big part of being relevant to all the different um, groups and geography. Do you think we're ever going to go back to, you know, the four months of planning and shooting a commercial and then finally you launch the commercial? And it seems to me that once we've proven we can do it in a week, that the expectation now is going to be, well, we know we could do it, so we're just going to have to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like it's the new normal in a way. Do you think that's going to be true? And same with planning. You have to be able to shift gears very quickly because the su- consumer patterns are changing so quickly. Yeah, I think it, it expands what we do. So I don't think it's going to replace that. I do think that there's always going to be anthem. You know, a company 
um, has a message to get out. In fact, that's one of the marketer's challenges right now is where, how do you move from solidarity over to um, messaging around action? And then when is it appropriate to now start to go back to product and promotion? You know, so um, there is still always going to be the solidarity in the brand and corporate messaging. And I think that needs to be very thoughtful. What we're learning in this cultural crisis right now is that not every brand should be speaking up in this context. Brands should be one reflective of ensuring that what they want to speak out for, that they are truly also reflecting that internally. And, and that work is probably not something that you want to have as agile, you know, content creation. Right, that should, right. That should be thoughtful. It's representing your company. It's um, going to be a pillar in which your future nimble actions ladder up to. So I, I think it just expands our um, understanding of what we always knew in digital, which is you can be agile. I think for those right. that were used to only the television canvas and anthems only, now are seeing that you can have um, more in your tool set and you need that because we need, we have more need states now um, right. to, to be resident. So you'll have your core brand pillars and the things you stand for very thoughtful, well, at, well established, but then you've got your rapid response team that can, you know, pivot quickly, adjust creative quickly, maneuver a media plan quickly, and then, you know, hit the market fast. Yeah, I think that this, um, the crisis has brought together a lot of APIs where we're realizing that you need to be listening for all available signals. And so when you do have all these signals helping you guide you where you go and what you say, you are going to respond more quickly with um, creative and messaging to meet that demand. So, um, yes, I would say that there's been an explosion of insights that then help us um, inform how rapidly we go forward. And what this is this period has taught us is that the creative that comes from rapid development is is high production quality. You know, it's yeah. um, really actually the IV new fronts of early objectives of making sure people understood what was what was the quality that there's quality in online video and and the production means that produce that. Um, but it doesn't mean that it replaces the anthem. Right. Right. Uh, how dependent are you on the media partners for those kind of insights and data to help inform? Do you rely on them and their platforms to supply you with that information? We um, do some media platforms these days. Publishers are, you know, many things beyond just right, media. Sure. They're also data companies, too. And I would right. say that, um, you know, direct, um, direct uh, input from these companies in terms of what kind of um, where we're still leaning on publishers to help us with where to put our advertising, right. how to create editorial that help our messaging really sing um, under right topics that we want to stand for, but a brand may not necessarily have the authority to speak on all of those topics. We're still leveraging uh, publishers for context. Um, but we're heavily dependent on things like mobile uh, signals, as well as our clients' uh -huh. first-party signals to inform, um, you know, what we say and what we do. I, if, if we have time for an example here, um, there was in China, there was a company that was, um, is an offline traditional, massive uh, traditional drugstore, a drug retailer. And they um, were totally traditional, no online channels. When COVID hit, they had to move everything into, they just put up their inventory, their whole catalog and inventory into a dot-com and a mobile experience. And when they did that in China, it's a huge market. It, the the right. name of the game is scale and tonnage like it is often in the U.S. We always say, mm -hmm. is there enough scale to make it worth, you know, the juice worth a squeeze? Um, but what ended up happening is that because they were now seeing what people were buying, they established niche, audi niche audience segments where they never did niche before. But because they knew about those people so deeply, 
they were able to cross shop across the, the portfolio of products that the drugstore offered. And then they had a collection of niche audiences that actually scaled up to be a pretty substantial business for recovery. Wow. Yeah. So like um, the signals not only come from publishers on context, not only from signals like mobile um, and, uh, and others from data providers, but also from our clients own our marketers own um, wow. exchanges with consumers. That's great. Yeah, we've seen a lot of businesses reinventing themselves using digital and actually doing better in some cases than they were doing in their more traditional way of doing business. Like they've discovered completely new business channels, which leads me to another question about this digital business transformation, which you talk about in your article as well, Mm -hmm. that now digital has become such a cornerstone for all of us. It's the way we're commuting. Look at how we're having this meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see this transformation taking on even more importance? And what do businesses need to do to ramp up their capabilities? Yeah. If you haven't been thinking about omnichannel, um, e-commerce, uh, cus- customer centricity, consumer centricity, you know, obviously that is, I'm sure, the majority of your time now. We have mm-hmm. tools like a commerce maturity index with an intelligence tool that help our marketers understand where they sit. Um, they basically assess their holistic um, e-commerce capabilities around things like strategy, content positioning and search engine optimization, media marketing, um, and a, f- a host of other things to help marketers really transform their minds into how they would do digital business. Because the last 10 years, we have retailers and CPG totally invested in this space, but you hadn't thought about and mass um, services or other industries like autos, um, but, but certainly services. And if we have to plan for a world where you have no ability to con- connect with consumers outside digital, digital channels, what would that be? So wow. that's a great way to think about it. Yeah, you have to plan for that. Right. So the, the uh, maturity indexes help our clients hone in on what their existing capabilities are and identify roadmaps for where they need to develop. But it starts as simple as little things like product feed hygiene. Um, an example with the services like auto insurance or home insurance or insurance in general. These are all services that um, or even, you know, home, uh, uh, somebody to come in and fix things, you know, like these are things that you might normally go somewhere to like Home Depot and ask for an expertise. These are all things that in the future people will need, but they're going to be searching for. And so what is it that for your particular company, can you itemize and organize into a feed and then make sure that it's comprehensive, but also that each of the listings are differentiated so that you are, you know, have the largest footprint, but also speak to the people that are looking in the moment for exactly what you offer. So every company, not just CPG and retail, need to be thinking about how do they create their inventory so that they can have portable storefronts so they can plug into existing e-commerce environments where should they syndicate and um and also hopefully building their own direct consumer channels too like the chinese um, drugstore example of the rich type of data that you get back to inform like where your business will extend into in the future i think this whole covid thing sped that up if you weren't thinking before (laughs) what would it look like if we only had digital customers you're certainly thinking it now and I think even some of the plans that people may have had on their planning for the next two or three years, they've had to pull it forward and implement today. Yeah. And so I think, again, unless a big lesson that's come out of this is that you need to be thinking, what if these what if scenarios? Yeah. Uh, another question in your article, you talk about outcome based solutions. Talk a little bit about what that means. Uh, what kind of outcomes and how do you create a solution around that? Yeah. Yeah. Our, um our um, 
managing director of China, you know, in the first two weeks of um, of um, of China's recovery, she had shared with a hundred of our clients in a webinar, a safely distanced um, Zoom around trends that um, she was seeing. And one of the things is that even the biggest of brand advertisers are thinking about performance, performance first. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that drugstore example, that traditional retailer example, that um, to even identify the, the, who usually buys tonnage, right? To even identify those segments that are best performing is very performance oriented, right? Where am I getting my best ROI? And then um, concentric circle wise, what is the next best product to serve them? This mentality of serving your customer and then growing your ARPU, average revenue per user, is very much of a performance mentality. And um, so we've, during this time where clients are, um, are really um, um, pressured for performance, but with budgets that are um, in flux, we have a solution called um, PACT where we work with our clients to um, figure out how to reorganize our own relationship with that client to deliver on to deliver on those outcomes, um, but still um, you know maintain the weight that they need in the market. That's so interesting. And one of the things that um, that we've seen from some of these smaller direct to consumer brands is they literally build their business based on dialogue with the consumer. So they're asking, they're getting into a, they're starting with the consumer, super servicing them, listening to what it is they need, and then saying, we need to add to our product line in this way. We need to open physical stores here. And all of that is this dialogue with their consumers. So it's almost those direct relationship is helping to inform what they should be doing next and how they should be doing it. So I think that's similar to what you're saying. Yeah. It's starting in the middle, adding what more can I sell this person, but I'm making those decisions based on what that person's telling me they want. Yep, yep. And listening for the signals of like moments of need and how do you um, cross sell as a solution. You know, what, um, a lot of brands, when they were um, thinking about when do I go from um, solidarity messaging over to product and offering messaging, when is it okay to? You know, one of the soft landings for that is to be solutions oriented as opposed to product promotion. And when you think about solutions, you're thinking about that entire occasion that that consumer um, has, you know, maybe, maybe it's the mornings or it's um, the children and they're now um, done with the, the distance learning and now you have to entertain them. If you can think about the solution and you think about what do they all need in that environment and then create not only the product suite and the bundle, but also the services or the partnerships, if it's not in your wheelhouse, to really be sticky with that consumer. I think that's a, a way that you can both drive business, but also serve your consumers in the way that they need to when they're, you know, when everybody is currently desperately um, needing some support. Keeping that consumer in the center. Yeah. Um, so you're also an amazing manager. So I wanted to touch on this a little bit. So we talked about the business and how you're advising clients and you're well known as an incredible leader manager. How are you managing your teams through all of this? And you, you have a lot of people reporting up to you all over the place. How do you keep them engaged? How do you make you check in and make sure everybody's okay? What are some of the things that you're doing over Publicis? Um, for myself, 
we have, and I learned this from a, a fellow colleague that you guys interviewed last week, Yale Cohen, we um, do these um, department check-ins that are health check-ins. And it's not at all a status, and it's um, an hour a week that we always hold to just check in on each other. You know, we do things like we'll celebrate big wins that are work-related the week before or talk about where we think we're going to need help the following week. But, um, but really, we focus on things like we've had two baby showers in the last, you know, two months. We've had numerous, so many birthdays, Cheryl, and um, it still surprises me that we pulled off every single one as a surprise. Um, not <laughs> with, yeah, literally, and not without the help of Did family. you Zoom bomb? Did you Zoom bomb? Is that how you did it? We did, we did all sorts of things. Like, um, a lot of, uh, we've had to engage a lot of family members, which has been so nice. You know, we're inviting people into our home with Zoom, but to also have their family members that we've only heard about in the past be part of, you know, um, picking up the cake or, you know, coming in from the back with the surprise, you you know, and, and helping us coordinate. It's been really lovely to expand our sense of work family to the true family. And then um, so, something, a lesson I learned myself just this week that I've been encouraging others to do is, and maybe others are farther ahead of me on this, is that um, in managing people, you have to first, like, be good, be good to yourself. And mm-hmm. I think in this time where we've been so um, together um, on Zooms, and then you are hopping off to you know, to be with your family who are just in the, the room next door. Um, you're, for me, I'm like wife, I'm an employee, I'm a manager, but I'm also sister and um, daughter. I was, I didn't even realize for the last 12 weeks, I haven't been by myself at all. And we had this um, uh, day of pause on Wednesday to come together as a group uh, in all of Publicis US um, to think about how we needed to learn and debate and talk about how we're going to um, work together to fight systemic racism and how it's been um, insidious and we didn't even realize. I mean, it's, it's going to be a heavy day that I'm very right. much looking forward to, but it's heavy. What they've told us to do between this week and next week is to take time, um, like a day of reflection, we're calling it, to just truly unplug and um, get in the right headspace. For me, that was in the middle of a work day going off to a park. And as soon as I got into the car, it was the first time I was in the car by myself. It was the first time I'd been by myself. I just realized when I was driving <laughs> the entire 12 weeks. And so oh my, my God. lesson is, I mean, I think everyone thinks that they're by themselves. Like Cheryl, you're in your room by yourself right now, but in actuality, you know, you're hooked up to a lot of people. As soon as you move into the next room, you have your phone. Oh, I have like the dogs gated right now. They're crying <laughs> to, to, you know, they don't yeah, need so my side mother, for a second. So yeah. whether it's dog or people, either way, it's true. I don't have a minute to myself. You got to find that, um, you know, refine yourself and remember to make that time for yourself. And I think that that has um, made a big difference for me in the two days since I had that time of reflection. Um, so I'm going to, you know, continue to, you know, encourage others to just make sure that they're connecting with themselves and right. you know, maybe that's not new news to others. It was a shock to me. Well, the other thing I know you're very big on is diversity and inclusion efforts, especially around the Asian community. And can you talk a little bit about the programs you're doing, the organization you're involved in? Um, yeah. What are you doing around that? I'm, I am like a sponge right now, um, actually. Um, of course, our company does a bunch um, around Asian communities, making sure that um, communities understand that there are careers in advertising for Asians, nice. you know, BRGs for people who just moved in to America or, the, or even Asians that um, feel, uh, feel angst about not being Asian enough. So we do a lot internally. Mm-hmm. But the, over the crisis, I've been um, more externally um, 
learning. There is a wonderful organization, Ad Color, who have um, a group called Asians for Ad Color that meets every Friday. It's about 150 people on a Zoom at um, 3 p.m. Eastern every Friday, and it's um, it's also heavy topics. And what I didn't realize was that um, in my mind it was like immigrants versus you know American Asian. Um, and I, because of immigration, that was really top of mind for me. What I didn't realize is that, you know, Asia is 50 countries. And right. our collective experiences are so different. And I have, um, I have come from, as I'm sure others are reflecting on, um, I have privilege in so many areas. And I have not been leveraging all my areas of privilege um, for, the, for the many that are experiencing something so different than I do every single day. So right. I've been learning and listening a lot from that. And then in terms of action, um, I'm really excited about a group that the ANA is now forming around Asian CMOs. And they're now- in Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And they're listing um, Asian agency leads. And their focus, I believe, while the charter is still being worked out, are things like um, a portrayal and images of Asian Americans in uh, media and entertainment, and as well as fighting, like literally fighting, raising awareness for racism um, against all different types of Asian Americans. The few things that were just startling for me was that um, during this time, um, anti-Asian sentiment has gone up 900%. Well, you can thank certain leadership for that. Yeah. You know, he's calling it the Chinese. Yeah. Uh, death you know with the whole covid thing the chinese there's you know lot, there's a disease lot of, and yeah there's a I lot mean, so it's hitting us all personally i mean I'm, yeah. none of us who are asian i i believe unfortunately have um don't have a few experiences now in the last few you know several weeks um, yeah. because of that yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It's really unfortunate that we're living in a time right now where our own government is turning us against each other. Uh, but just so you know, the IAB has also, we've been brainstorming a lot. What can we be doing? And we're going to be kicking off programs. I'm calling it the IAB Access Umbrella, which is really how do we give access to the industry to kids at the college level so they start learning about the industry and all these different opportunities. We're going to be giving access to students for the new fronts, for example, so they can actually witness the biggest um, buying market, the marketplace, buyer-seller marketplace in the world. We have almost 10,000 people signed up for it. So we're like, let's bring students in. We're reaching out to HBCUs and we're going to be, love to talk to you more about how we can get more Asian young people interested in the industry as well. And then that's going to just be the beginning. We're going to go from there um, and do lots of other stuff to try and get young people in as well, just so we start building more diversity um, into the system. I mean, it's really pretty lack overall. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'll work well, follow up with you on that. So we're almost out of time. I want to do a quick, I love ending on what I call wows, words of wisdom. And you've got lots of them. You shared some great stuff already. Quick. What are some, Words of wisdom will do a stop-start format. Let's start with your fellow leaders at agencies, something they should stop doing and something they should start doing. Okay, start would be to write a vision statement for their clients, each of their clients, that is around digital transformation. It's, um, we are always um, you know, pulled into campaigns
every single day, we're thinking as far as QBRs, we need to be thinking about the longevity, longevity of our clients that they don't, you know, thrive, we're not going to survive, and they have to trans transform. And so to have that always on top of mind for each of us, so that we're either, you know, pulling from our group resources to make it happen for them, or inspiring our marketers to keep on um, seeking those resources through case studies, do whatever it takes to, to make that, um, that vision statement a reality. Uh, from a stop is just to not let the day-to-day -day get you down. Find find 5% of your time in a given week to work towards that vision. That's awesome. What about brands? Something they should stop doing, something they should start doing? Brands have done a good job of this, um, especially during the crisis, but I would say that this stop slash continue is to bring us into the business conversations. You know, don't, um, don't have a so downstream that we can't think about your entire business. You know, that's, this crisis has really brought us in closer as we now understand that they are, the rest of their day is, um, you know, the marketing is a small part of what they do. The media is certainly a small part of what they do. They have much greater responsibilities. We can help if we're brought more, art, uh, more upstream. Um, so I'd say start on that. Um, stop. Um, uh, That's okay. You've given, that. <laughs> a ton of, you've given a ton of advice already to brands. One last one for folks out there, media companies, sales side. Uh, what do you need them to stop doing? What do you need them to start doing? I have to say that um, the, the media community has been wonderful during this time. Um, the solidarity and support of our clients will stop, con start, continue again, is just really empathizing with our clients' situations around uncertainty and being there for us when we are not able to commit to things because our clients just don't have a good grasp right. of their businesses, nor do we. Um, so start, continue to be empathetic of that situation. I Excellent. don't have another stop there either. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, we will stop there. Okay. How's that? Helen, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Well, Amazing yeah, leader. Uh, next Monday's I Be There, we're excited to be hosting another I Be There streaming edition, which is powered by Hulu. Our guest will be Tracy Shepik, CEO, Mattermore Media, and Brittany Duncan, the media director from Beam Suntory. I Be There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ons, John Ward, and opportunity for all of our clients to come together and get to see uh, the showcase of all the great content that's available from our uh, largest digital partners. We like to learn what the partners are doing in the digital space. We like to understand what's new, how is the content platforms changing and evolving with the rapid fire digital space.